Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Derek Taylor from Hamilton. The Great Cup Week experience. We'll talk to Derek about that and Sunday's big game. Plus, Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba joins us to talk about Canada winning the Billie Jean King Cup. We are World Cup champs in men's and women's tennis. Wow. That's all coming up on the podcast. As we now go on a plane and fly ourselves to the city of Hamilton, where we find Mr. Derek Taylor, who's going to be on our show tonight for Harvest Honda in Steinbach, where it's always worth the trip, harvesthonda.com. Derek, you made it in safe and sound, I assume. Yes, the folks at Porter Airlines took good care of us, and yes, we dropped into Canada's most beautiful city, Hamilton. Now, you always the, you always seem to have... Hamilton yet. Yeah, you, you, uh, you don't love the city, from what I take. <laughs> it's... It's fine. I just, like, there's, when you drive in, uh, when you come down from Toronto, you, you see these massive steel mills and you go, there's got to be big money somewhere in Hamilton. And I've just never seen the part of town where that would be. I, I don't, I don't know why. It's just where I go or the parts I'm in and not in. Like, there's got to be money here, but I, why have I never seen it? Well, it's big enough city. I mean, it's, it's, it's got a lot of space. You probably haven't been to a lot of it. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not from there. I'm not. You know, trying to defend Hamilton. My my dad lives close to there, and my sister works there. But it's it means nothing to me. I'm just trying to take a little bit of load off their back. But it's great for them after 2021 and a great cup that pretty much got derailed by Omicron. They actually get a full celebration this week. Yeah, and they're not fooling around, right? Like they have gone out. Like Carrie Underwood plays Friday. The Great Cup's on Sunday. Carrie Underwood's playing on Friday. Thursday after the CFL Awards, uh, if you're into Shaggy, well, he's, he's going to be at the awards and he's playing a concert afterwards wow. down in Niagara Falls. You're like, oh, they're not fooling around. Like, is it Green Day is, is the halftime show of the Grey Cup? Like, Hamilton is committed to doing it right. So I'm, I'm just delighted to be here. And I, I can't wait to see it because you're right. 2021, they didn't get to do what they wanted to do and they, what they'd planned for years to, to do, right? This is a long uh, build up to in planning a great cup. They didn't get to do it, but now they really get to show it off. And yeah, I'm, I'm super jacked for this. I, I, it just looks like Hamilton's going to do it right. So regarding awards tomorrow night, this great cup is in Hamilton. The awards are in Niagara Falls. It's like an hour down the QEW. Do you like the idea of not having them in the same city? Not even a little bit. No, but I assume there's a, I mean, Fallview Casino is super nice. And I assume uh, there's, a, there's a real money reason why they're doing it. But I, I don't like it. Uh, from the media perspective, who cares what, what we have to do? But, like, Brady Oliveira, on the most important week of his life, uh, at least of, of 2023, has to get in the car and go down the highway an hour early and get an hour and come back an hour later than if it was in the same town like it was, say, in Regina, where it would have been a 15-minute drive across town. So... I don't love it, but there's got to be there's got to be real important reasons why uh, they chose to take it to Niagara Falls. It's a gorgeous venue, but yeah, logistically, oh. it's it's a bit out of the way for sure. And, and yeah. the falls have, and as the backdrop is going to be cool too. You'll get the the B roll shots on the broadcast. But uh, let's go to the week experience itself. Do you feel like fans of the blue and gold are going to get sick of this experience at any point? Because this is four in a row. I know the team doesn't like to to make a big deal about it. Or do you think the fact that COVID has had a say in the experience the last couple of years changes maybe any sort of fatigue that may have been a thing going into this one? 
I think it probably does. I don't know. I don't know if like bomber fans. I know the league. I mean, the league. And speaking of like league fans, are, are tired of the bombers being in the Grey Cup. Uh, I think there's more evidence of that today with who's who's picking Montreal to win the Grey Cup. But I, I think fans like it. But I don't think bomber fans are, are particularly bothered by it. If they're if they have to go to Vancouver next year, boom, they'll be in it. If they've got to you know rent out part of their house and bring friends in to Winnipeg in 2025 because the bombers are back in it. Uh, I, I think when your team's winning, right, just, I took the drive with Greg Mackling, and Greg's been a, a Bomber fan since he was, you know, three apples high. Uh, he, he vividly remembers between 1990 and 2019, and you remember how dry it can be, right? So that when you're in the fruitful times, I, I think I, I get the impression Bomber fans are just celebrating it and, and expecting success. Now, what are you expecting on Sunday? Are you expecting success in a game that I've seen fluctuate between seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half point spread in this one? How is it not over eight and a half? How is it not 15 is kind of a question I have in my mind. Like, the, just think of the two games. I know Montreal comes into this having won seven straight, including mopping up Toronto in the Eastern final. But it, it still holds that regular season, they lost every game to Winnipeg, BC, and Toronto, and they beat everybody below them in the standings. So who have they beaten? And then head-to-head, right? The, the games against Winnipeg, Montreal scored six offensive points in 120 minutes of football. And as much as, you know, during the season, they added Sean Lemon at defensive end and Darnell Sankey at middle linebacker, their offense is, you know, apart from changing their right tackle, their offense is what it was, you know, in week 12 when they played the Bombers, right? So I don't understand where Montreal is going to get points from to a level that threatens the Bombers. The, the, or the Alouettes have the third-ranked defense if you go by points allowed per game. The third-ranked defense in the CFL, fantastic. Eight defensive touchdowns, four more on special teams. That's awesome. The Bombers have a better defense by points allowed per game. And, oh, by the way, their offense is a mile better. So I, it was a fantastic win last week. And, but when is it, have, like, let me ask you, Christian, because I can't remember a time. Have you ever seen nine turnovers in a football game before? No football game. No. So, so everybody who comes to me and will say, well, it just happened last week. I'm like, yeah, but the odds you get nine turnovers in a football game is one in a whole bunch. Like to think it's going to happen again would be, would be kooky talk. So I, I just don't know what unit of the Alouettes I think holds up with the bombers, even with the question marks we saw on the injury report today. Right, and so let's get to that now. The injury report for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I, I was going to mention earlier, and I forgot. That's on me. Adult, Dalton Schoen, Nick Dembski, Rashid Bailey, Adam Bighill, Kyrie Wilson, Jackson Jeffcoat. None of them practiced. We've heard from O'Shea a number of times, like last week when Dembski and Bailey didn't practice. He's saying, you know, guys probably don't even need to practice. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see Dalton Schoen or Adam Bighill this week. That's just what I've. That's just my personal thought. Uh, we haven't seen them. Today's practice was a closed practice, but it is also Wednesday, and the game is on Sunday. Yeah. When uh, Ted Wyman, our buddy from the Winnipeg Sun, said Adam was walking around with a really quite a limp yesterday at practice, and you go, okay, well, that's, that's a bad sign. As much as the boot isn't on that left foot, or left foot leg calf, the injury actually is. I, I, I don't know how big he'll play. Shown, we, we just haven't seen him. And today would have been the day for him to get some work in, in the closed practice where nobody would be able to see how's he going to do. But according to the injury report, he did not practice. So you go, 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of ruled in my mind. I've ruled them both out. I don't have any reporting on that, but I've just in my mind ruled them both out. Uh, the Kyrie Wilson one is interesting because we, uh, we hadn't seen that in the game and we hadn't heard that since the game. They haven't had to put on an injury report, but Kyrie Wilson not being on it. Um, he's a guy, he's well past, you know, returning from his ACL injury or his Achilles problem, excuse me. Um, but just, you know, what is that one? And will he be at practice tomorrow? It'll be something to watch. The other three, if you went last week, you're going this week, right? If you're Debsky and Bailey, if you went last week, you're not sitting up the Grey Cup. So uh, I, I think apart from those, the first two we mentioned, the other four are probably good pending Ky- seeing Kyrie Wilson at practice early tomorrow. It's a hip for Wilson. That's what that's what listed as. Jeff Goat's been a hip every time he's missed practice over the course of the the last number of months. And I'm with you. I feel that that same way. Like Shone and and Big Hill, I don't feel like they're going to play, and they're the only question marks. I, I think, but we'll we, we'll learn more as we go through the next few days. Let's. I want to talk to you a bit more about Cody Fajardo because he is the quarterback that is going up against the Bombers. We saw last year it was a mixture of Bethel Thompson and, and Chad Kelly, and the offense for the Argos wasn't the reason they won that football game. It was just a weird game in which lots of weird things happened, which, of course, can happen again on Sunday. It's football. That can happen. But he's now starting a great cup game. He led the league in passing uh, in completion percentage among qualified quarterbacks. His passing efficiency was further down, though. Only 14 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. This was a quarterback that threw a lot of short passes. Uh, he had almost 4,000 yards passing, and, and we know he can also run the ball as well. This season, 341 yards rushing and, and three touchdowns on 57 carries, and he played the whole season. He's just not – he's not great. He's not a great quarterback. He's yeah. fine. And so is he going to be the one that beats the Bombers in the Grey Cup? I, I, I just kind of don't know how – I can picture a way in which that might happen. But but I'm I'm with you. Like I'm I'm as big a Cody Fajardo fan as there is. That is a great dude. Who you know, my first year in play by play was was his first year with the Riders, and he was so good. And his rise to stardom was incredible. And he is this run pass threat. But in any way that they've been able to to hit the Bombers, uh, like we put four receivers to one side, we leave Austin Mack alone to the other side, and we hum it up to Austin Mack, and that's how. That's what's going to have to happen. They they lost Kayon Julian Grant earlier in the season, who was having a, the Canadian having a, just a tremendous season, fantastic season, uh, long plays, another explosive receiver in that Montreal receiving core, but not not there. So it's it's Austin Mack and Tyler Sneed and Co- and uh, Colt and Speaker, and you're like, okay, uh, if it's not you know Austin Mack winning 100 percent of his 50-50 balls, I, I kind of don't know what they're going to do. I really expected this was going to be a Montreal offense that would run the ball, right? You, you leverage that Fajardo run threat with the fact you've got William Stanback in there, but Stanback hasn't done much. And as you mentioned, like Fajardo would be what third in quarterback rushing in the CFL behind Crum and Trey Ford. So uh, he maybe, but like he's going to try to hit one out to the wide side of the field and Jamal Parker's going to take it away or Evan Holmes is going to take it away. And it's just the most probable possibility for me. So, if if they can somehow hold the Bombers under 15, Montreal might be in play. But I, I just – I love Cody. I love Cody for German, But I just – I don't know how this Montreal offense gets enough to beat the number one offense in the CFL. 18 of 25 for 175, a touchdown and a pick in the East final victory. 
five carries yeah. for 38 yards and Antwi and Stanback combined for 12 carries, 31 yards. It's it's an offense that does not look great against the better teams. And they didn't look good either. Like Toronto was in that game for a while, despite all the turnovers, because Montreal would get the ball and go two and out every time, basically. And so I'll get you out of here on this. The way I look at it is for Winnipeg to lose this game, they got to turn the ball over a bunch. If they don't turn it over, I don't see a way they lose. How do you feel? I'm with you hundred percent. Like it has to be weird, weird freak occurrences, right? Because there's all those turnovers and Montreal got a kickoff return touchdown in that game from Letcher. You go, okay, if that's, if that's what you need to win, that's a real tall order. So I'm hundred percent with you. If the bombers turn and the bombers, I think even have a lot of latitude in that respect, right? The, I'll always point to the 21 West final. They turned it over six times and they were still in command in that game. That, to me, is the talent disparity between the two teams. So something stranger than that is going to have to happen. That was the 21 team was a Cody Fajardo-led offense as well. You know, okay. It's, it's, there's no guarantee the Bombers win anything, right? Eight-and-a-half-point favorite doesn't mean uh, a bunch when weird stuff can happen, but a lot of weird stuff is going to have to happen. I, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Well, Derek, appreciate your time. As always, have a good night uh, in the hammer, and we'll talk to you again on tomorrow's show. Good brother. Derek Taylor joining us from Hamilton. I did not think Canada was going to win the Billie Jean King Cup over the weekend. You heard me on Friday of last week saying, yeah, it's good they got to the semifinals. They'll probably lose to Czechia. They didn't. They beat Czechia. They beat Italy. They are world champions in Canada now. The reigning men's and women's World Cup champions as the Davis Cup wraps up later on this month. But we're joined now by Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba to talk about this incredible achievement by our country. Mark, how does it feel? You've been involved in tennis for a long time to see Canada on top of the tennis world like this. It's uh, worse uh, tennis uh, our house. Like we're, uh, it's unreal. Like I have no words. I mean, when, when the, when the men did it last year, Davis cup, um, they got on a great roll and they had the players to do it. And, and, you know, so I'm, as much as yeah, the thought of it getting done was was one thing. Getting it done was another. So it was fantastic. But on the side too, on the female side, like I, just because Bianca was hurt and Layla wasn't playing at her best. I mean, if you would have told me two years ago when when Layla made the U.S. Open final, Bianca just finished winning the U.S. Open final. At that point in time, I'd say okay, yeah, it's a team event. Those two can power through. And but now at this stage, it just completely surprised me. Like I, I did not think that this would happen. Same as you, I to beat Czechia, I, I just know like that. That's that's it. Lights out. We're we're done. And for them to come through that, wow! I'm uh, I'm stunned. I'm still really. There's no no words. Alayla's good at doubles. She's really become a, a really good doubles player. Yeah. And, and Gabriela Dabrowski is a great doubles player as well. But in this tournament you got two singles and a doubles tie that's how it works they make the semifinal against Czechia and they fall behind one nothing because Barbara Krejcikova wins a big match but Layla goes out and beats the Wimbledon champion Marketa Vondrosova and then teams up with Dabrowski to beat Krejcikova and Katarina Sinyakova who've been together forever they've won the Olympics they've won majors now they have announced that they are breaking up and I don't know if that maybe affected this because it's going to be their last match together. But to to make the final, beating a, an eleven time champion, that kind of felt like the final to me with with Italy waiting. Because uh, some of these p- 
teams, some of these countries didn't have their best players. It has to be said, mm-hmm. but Czechia did and Canada beat them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the one. And, and you know what? And I was just hoping like, it's not going to be a, uh, you know, the hangover, the letdown uh, after having such a monumental win in the semis, then go and you should on paper beat the Italians and not lay an egg. Like, I mean, it's fantastic that they didn't, that they came through mentally. And, and you know, Layla was in that zone. You can just tell just watching watching her just reminded me of, of her run to the U.S. Open. And uh, she was in that zone. It's like, okay, you can tell this is it. She's not going to lose. And... Uh, again, just the whole team. I mean, the way everything came together. And yeah, there's luck involved. Yes, you're right. The best players, some are may not be playing. They're taking their time off right now because there is no tennis off season. So this, you know, they have to grab the time when they can, and that means forfeiting playing for your country. So, um, but that's the way it goes. I mean, in, in the history of Davis Cup, in the history of, of the Fed Cup, now Billie Jean King Cup, as it's called. I mean, that's, it's what happens. I mean, you, you take what you can get. You, you beat who's in front of you, and that's what they exactly did. And and I'm so proud. I'm so proud, like being involved, like you said, in tennis for so many years. And never, never, never would I ever think that we'd be double holders. Like at the same time, holding the Davis Cup and the and the Billie Jean King Cup, like we're a superpower in tennis. It's it's unreal. It's a great feeling. So Layla was obviously incredible at this event, but yeah. Marina Stakusic is a player I did not know existed. And that's that's a, I don't follow tennis as closely as you do. I I, I keep track yeah. of the major stuff, but. This is a person who turns 19 in two weeks, is ranked 258th in the world, had never beaten a top 100 player, and beats three over the course of this, including world number 43, Martina Trevisan, in the final. I mean, what an incredible performance. And here we are with more young talent that we have in this country. I know, and you know, she was actually playing, I know of her only because she was playing at the uh, Junior Nationals earlier this year, and so I heard she was playing against, uh, I don't even she played a Manitoban uh, in one of the earlier rounds, I, I, I got a fact check on that, but that's why, that's the only reason I knew about her, and I knew, I heard there's rumblings, there's a girl coming up through the ranks in the pipeline, she's going to be great, and you know, at the Tennis Canada meetings, they always ask, okay, hey, who's next, who's next, and you know, they were quietly talking about her, and and I mean, and that's the beauty now. Like you look at the at the depth of of Canadian tennis. I mean, you look through the years, and it all started with with Bouchard, with Eugenie Bouchard and Milos Raonic and Bashik Pospisil. I think you know mid two thousands. That's it just started coming. There's a plan by Michael Downey, the CEO at the time, and and he came in and and I just said he he gave uh, the Canadians uh, here's the goal, here's the strategy. This is what we're going to do. I want four of want to achieve these four uh, these accomplishments and, and basically it's a grand slam singles winner in both men's and, and women's and we did get a, a women's grand slam singles champion we want he said we, we want to win the davis cup and we want to win the billy jean king cup so three out of four isn't too bad i mean we're still waiting for that that male to win the uh, the grand slam uh, a singles title, uh, but uh, you know, three out of four I'll take, and and the depth and and the players that we have coming through. I mean, it's uh, it's a good time for for tennis in Canada. Do you think that tennis though has maybe done this tournament a disservice by putting it a week after the WTA finals, which were in Mexico? This tournament was in Spain, so Canada yeah. faced Poland, who did not have Iga Swiatek. The U.S. team that did didn't have Jessica Pagula or Coco Goff loses to Czechia in the group stage. Uh, we're we're seeing 
you know, good players here, top 100 players, some top 30 players, but overall the best in the world don't generally uh, take part in this. And we're going to see this with the Davis Cup as well with the ATP finals on now, the Davis Cup getting on uh, the finals beginning on the 21st. How do you make the timing of this better? Is this a problem? It is a problem. It's always been a problem. And uh, again, you know, the, the, the calendar on for tennis, I mean, NHL, NFL, you've got your off-season. You, you do have uh, time to recuperate your body, your mind, all that stuff. Tennis simply does not. I mean, this is the time right now to grab it. And, and you know, honestly, Australian Open's right around the corner. It's right, you know, you have to be in Australia first week of first day of January, basically. And, and so the players are already thinking about training for that and making sure they're fit to play. So there's never really, really a great time to play Davis Cup or to play Billie Jean King Cup. And, I mean, Davis Cup, Dave, on the men's side, they have modified the whole tournament format and they've tried to simplify it a bit and make it like a week-long tournament which I, I think is successful and I think that's what they have to do here on the women's side as well I think to be quite honest combine the two the men and the women same week same venue same same city and make it like a grand slam and 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 do that so that that's my thought I mean make it almost like a, a fifth grand slam is is playing these two tournaments together and you know maybe you will see the uh, all the best players playing and truly will be you know, best versus best. So uh, apart from doing that, I really don't see um, a solution to it, but uh, they, they do have to make room in the calendar. And uh, I mean, these trophies have been around. The women's uh, Billie Jean King Cup has been around for 60-odd years. Men's Davis Cup is over 100 years. I know that. So um, there is prestige to it. And, and maybe make it a fifth major. I don't know. Give it points. Give it uh, more prize money. I figure it out. But it, it has to. Because, you know, having these team events, I mean, this is how you grow the sport of tennis. Tennis is a lonely sport when you're out there, when you're a kid especially. And to make it a team environment, to make it a team event, I think this is the way you get more people playing tennis as well, especially more kids if they see it being a team event. So I'll get you out of here on uh, on the Davis Cup, which again, the yeah. finals start November 21st in Spain, Canada, facing Finland in the quarterfinals, then either Czech Republic or Australia, who they beat yeah. in the finals last year in the semis. I mean, that that seems winnable, doesn't it, for this Canadian team that I think is going to have Felix Ojealiasim as part of it too. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He said that he will be playing, and uh, it is winnable again. But I, I don't want to because things happen, injuries happen, things happen, and and you know how sport goes. I mean, one day you're on top of the world, next day you're at the bottom. So it's uh, right now on paper, yes, uh, it is doable. Uh, but they don't play the matches on paper, right? So it's uh, uh, we'll see. Process. Uh, let it uh, let it uh, take its course and. Uh, but I do, again, to be in the conversation is so awesome compared to Canada never being in the conversation. Now we're like, okay, we're expected to win. How are we going to win it? And it's such a good feeling being in this position. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be near the top. It's been a long time. Mark, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. And uh, we'll uh, chat with you soon, potentially with the Davis Cup. And if not, then heading into the Australian Open. I hope so. I hope so. Good stuff. And thanks for having me. And this Manitoba's Mark aren't joining us here tonight. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.